What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. My guest today is a brother by the name of Scott Razzo. He is a fantastic senior firefighter who has a wide variety of experiences. And today in this episode, we sit and chat about all those different things, uh, how he became a firefighter and all the way through lessons learned on the fireground. Enjoy. What up, Scott? What's up, Rain? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for sitting down and, and podcasting with me. Dude, I'm excited. Uh, I think we talked about this a while back. Yeah. And uh, now that you're, you're you know, rolling and, and doing this thing, man, I just, I'll listen in all, uh, in that stuff. And so I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I think it's it's really cool what you're doing. And, and there's so many different experiences and stories and, and ideas out there. And I think to be able to sit down and really have a just sit down conversation is it's cool, man. I like what you do. Well, I, I appreciate that. I love the fact that we get to sit down. I say we. I get to sit down with people and have a conversation and share that conversation because there's so much that we get to learn from one another. And uh, the older I get, the the, real, the more I realize that there's value uh, in all the people around me. And, and, and there, there's so much knowledge out there that I have yet to, uh, yet to be exposed to or to gather in my life. And so... You know, there's wisdom in sitting down with people who have other experiences and knowledge that they can share. So, and and then, and on top of that, doing a podcast and sharing that with everybody else, because, you know, even if it's just a nugget, you come away with a nugget, we work out some idea and you come away with a nugget from this conversation that we have, then great. Yep. Right. Hopefully you'll get a couple of, you know, maybe more than that, half a dozen. (laughs) Yeah. Like a baker's dozen. (laughs) Yeah. I like to to value a baker's dozen of nuggets would be my, my, my preference. But no, you're right. I agree. I I think that like, I think it's important to realize and have the, the awareness to be able to soak up knowledge and information and experience from, from anyone you're around, whether it's the, we're talking fire department, where it's the guy who just got off probation, guy or girl just got off probation to the member that's going to retire in six months. And and we have that dynamic, especially at station 12, we have all, all avenues of that. And it is just such a phenomenal place to learn and to grow. And everyone who, who works there and is around that, that place. And in our department in general, I think are really starting to realize that, man, we're learning so much from the, 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 rover that's coming in for the day and from the Brian McQuaid's are leaving it in a few a few months that are still out there working like like it's their first day it's it's just a phenomenal thing yeah. to see to be able to sit back and just see it is just so so you are a a senior firefighter and you uh you've at but you've worked in every role throughout the organization you know uh, i say every role they haven't been the fire chief i guess but no i've not done that uh no but all the way up you know on a fire truck right been a, you've acted as a captain you've chauffeured the truck as an engineer yes so let's talk about but let's talk so we'll dive into some of that stuff but let's talk about scott razzo raz to many yeah razzo man of many names yeah what how did you get here where did you come from where'd you grow up so i grew up here um i'm here from from arizona from phoenix area um over kind of by uh like washington elementary was where I went, which is over by old station 30 and station 30 currently. So very, right in the central corridor. Right of, there. Yeah. The right city. there. That's, that's where I went to school. Um, and then I, I went to, um, Cortez for a couple of years and then we actually lived in more West in like the Ironwood area. And once I was old enough to, um, not have to go to my grandparents and then go to, go to school from there and I could drive and everything, then it was easier for me to go to Ironwood and our football deal at, at Cortez at the time, they had just went to a, a championship season and they were kind of, were done. And then one of the coaches was heading over to Ironwood 
with his son that was going to go over there. So a few of us actually went over to Ironwood after uh, that. That chasing the All Star program, chasing the All Star program. You know, chasing the the dream. Yeah. No, it was it was easier too for everyone being over there. So yeah. So you play football. What what else What else did you do in high oh, school? Oh man, everything: soccer, baseball, um, just really the gamut. You know, I, I grew up and it was kind of different. Now it's funny. But when you grew up, me, me growing up, you played what was in season. You know, you played what was going on at the time. You played baseball. You played soccer. Yeah. We played this. We played that. I played ice hockey at Metro Center. That was oh, actually, you know, right? I've got a picture of me being like this little, little, you know, runt on the ice That's hilarious. Uh, with my little skates turned out. I look like I'm Bambi on the ice trying to walk. Yeah. And, uh, no, you bring up an interesting point, right? Like there's a lot of single sport athletes now and it's year round year-round training yeah. for a single sport or whatever. I think there's a, you know, I, I don't know if this is this is a shared experience that you and I had, right? Being a multi-sport athlete, um, an in-season athlete, I guess you would yeah. call it, right? Like I think there's a lot of value in that to be diverse and to learn different skills and to move in different ways depending on the season. That's that's the key, I think, is, is to, to have your body athletically moving in different ways than just that one direction or one dimension of that single sport, mm-hmm. right? And I noticed this kind of with my sister. Um, she's now grown, and, and actually she's she's um, going to be having a child soon, which is crazy. Um, but she, when, when she was in soccer, I'm sorry, uh, in volleyball, playing volleyball as a child, like young, she started kind of getting into it a little bit. And as she started doing club, it started turning into all you're going to do is volleyball. And she was interested in maybe playing basketball in high school. And, then, and they were like, nope. This, and that's when I really started seeing like, wow, this, this is kind of trending this way now. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was what mm-hmm. still 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, but she, uh, that, that was all she played, right? And then my worry, not worry, but my, my concern or thought was, well, what about other movements? What about other stuff? You're just so, so into one plane, you know, where like right now, if you're like, Hey dude, you want to go play tennis? I'm like, yeah, I remember playing tennis in this or, you know, or, Hey, you want to go kick a soccer ball? I can kick a soccer ball. I can't bend it like Beckham, but I'll, I'll kick it. You, <laughs> you know what certainly I'm can try. Yeah, I'll try so hard, you know, but I could throw <laughs> a football. I can hit a golf ball. I can, you know, all these different things that I grew up in was exposed to. Yeah. Um, it seems like now it's, it's, I feel like they're missing that, you know? Yeah. I think there's motor development too that comes with those different types of movement, right? As a, uh, you know, I think about like a baseball player. They, when they run, it's, it's from base to base, right? That is the base. That is the fundamental movement versus soccer, for example, is a sport that is all around you and you're putting a ton of more mileage in when you're running, right? So you're moving a lot of high level of cardio. Um, and the, the nature of football is so different. It's kinetic and it's it's about high intensity for short periods of time. Right. You know, it, it's just these different types of motor neurons that you're developing, and the uh, the different type of kind of proprioception that you're the skill, the neurological skill you're developing. Yeah. So I just had just did a uh, uh, a little fog nozzle Friday with <laughs> uh, with a buddy of mine, Aaron Quinn, who is a uh, a coach and, and firefighter, and we were talking about. The, the modality, the sport specificity of training. Right. And I think that's kind of what we're hitting at here is, it, is this idea that the, the sport that you're playing requires a certain skill set. Right. And when you play different sports, you get a diversity of exposure to your body and your system grows. And I think the other piece is you get rest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you can't play. I mean, you can. You can play one sport all season long. But if right. you do different things, your body's getting a break from one you're getting activity. Even, even a mental break from that, yeah. you know, you are, I think. And then kind of like what you're saying is 
you know, you're, you're, you know, everyone talks about muscle memory and this and that, and it comes back and it's there. Well, it really is. That really is a proven fact that, that when you start developing different muscles in different ways and different neuron paths for those muscles to move, right. that those, those pathways are created. Now, you may not use them a lot, but I, I mean, after a few swings, I'll, I'll be hitting a golf ball decent. After a few kicks, I'll be kicking a soccer ball decent. So it you kind of develops, you remember in your mind that pathway and yeah. Uh, and again, especially for the fire department, because then you go out there and it's like, what are we doing today? You know? <laughs> yeah. If you want to play Frisbee football and you've never, you know, you've never run a pattern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how would you know what to do? Yeah. I know, I know <laughs> what to do with that. I'm probably going to be getting water. Yeah. Yeah. You're sitting on the sideline. Yeah. Well, I hate this game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing is uh, it's important to be all inclusive and get everyone find out what, what the buy-in is, you know? For me out there, it's like, hey, we all play rock ball. One guy doesn't. Well, what does he like? You know, uh, what does she yeah, like? You know, let's yeah. get everyone in and stuff. So, right. It's cool. Yeah. So, so you played football. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you played other sports. What other sports did you play in high school? Um, I played soccer. I played baseball. And um, then I did track. So we were kind of kind of just always busy with something. Yeah. Um, going from one school to the other, just that it went from, you know, just what was here, what was available, then what was there, what was available. And uh, just always, again, that was in my head and in my mind and a lot of us just to play whatever was going, you know. Right. Track was kind of a, a they, I wasn't, I won't say I was made, we were made to do track, but if we weren't doing something. It was recommended. It was recommended. Just go out there and do something else. Get yeah. your body moving in a different way. Stay yeah. fit, stay active. I, you know, it's ready. funny you say that because I, I really enjoyed, I ran track. I played football and ran track. Those are kind of my two high school sports. And I really enjoyed running track. Um, but it was funny to me because first, you know, it was always recommended that the football players go do something in track and field to stay fit, et cetera. But I always went because I loved it. Yeah. It was just something I fell into and really enjoyed. Um, so for me, it was, it was, I was getting ready for track season or I was getting ready for football season. Like right. it was, there was a mission there. Yeah. The, uh, what did you run in high school? I, I, I ended up loving it too. And I ended up throwing. I was oh, you're a thrower? I, I was, yeah, which sense. was crazy. Um, because I wasn't like super big or anything. Yeah. And I was a, I was a four back for, you know, as far as our offensive playbook goes. So like a Z back, a, you know, like a half running, half, half, um, receiver blocking, you know, block for protection if they needed it. So, um, I wasn't by any means the fastest person out there or the, you know, anything like that, but I could catch and I could block and I had that. So, uh, that kind of where I fit in there. So whenever I went to track, I'm like, I'm not running that. I'm not running that. You know, and they're like, how about you go throw this, this paper plate around? And it was really cool. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, so neat. did you, so you did discus? Yeah. yeah That's discus cool. and shot. Yeah. Okay. Mainly discus though. Discus was. So cool. let me ask you this. So throwing to me is, is pretty interesting because I've seen some very high level throwers and they use a lot of a lot of very explosive and dynamic oh. technique. Did you, did you dabble in that at, in the high, at the high school level? Yeah. At the high school level. So there's a really good, um, you know, they would always just, I, I feel like, I feel like in track, it, it's really not about your team, their team, this team. I mean, we would actually train with other high schools and other throwers because the, the oh. pool is so small. You that know? makes sense for, for the, especially the specialty sports. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the pool is so small. And there is a, there's a throwing coach. I forget who he was or where it was, and I, I'm embarrassed to say that. But um, he was very big on the explosiveness, the dynamic of, of what you're doing and really getting that full-on explosive spin and turn and how you can create that with what your work in the gym and uh, your plyometrics and stuff like mm. that. So I was a thrower. But I ended up cutting down all kinds of weight and getting like just really what you'd consider shredded because of what I was doing preparing for that. And it was just, it was almost what would mimic like a CrossFit type multifunctional multiplane mm -hmm. workout now, you know, before that was even going. You know. Before it was a thing. Before it was a thing. Now, <laughs> you know, it's a thing. No, that's cool. The, um, 
uh, I think it's fascinating. I think there's a certain component of of speed. And some of these, some of the the best floor, the best throwers in the world, are wicked fast in the it's short duration, so like fast. high intensity, short duration, yeah. and uh, and very explosive. I watched this one thrower. Uh, I think he was a he was a discus thrower. Actually, before I tell you that story, he he cleared from a standstill. He jumped. Up, he was like a. He had to be like five eight maybe and he jumped up onto a stack that was over six feet tall yeah from a just from a static position it's crazy so that explosive the ability to recruit that muscle and and move so explosively is amazing uh and there's another there's a coach uh named dan john who's a collegiate throwing coach and strength coach and at the beginning of the season uh his he coached uh he coached all throwing but discus i think was his primary anyway his throwers had to be able to uh, overhead squat their body weight for 25 reps yeah. before he would let them pick up an imp- a throwing implement. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. And I, I was reading his stuff, and he was like, his justification was the connection between the upper and lower body, right? Ha- your body has to be able to move in concert together in order to be able to throw effectively. Yeah. You know, and oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said he, he had somebody challenge him on that one day. He says, all right, well, lay down on this bench. And he, you know, all right, pick up that barbell and start benching. And he stabbed him in the fork with a leg and see how fast he dropped that weight. Because <laughs> you're not, you're, you're connected. It, your whole neuromuscular system <laughs> is tied together. It's a pretty aggressive lesson well, to hey, learn. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. When you're a serious coach, you take serious yeah, measures to train people. people. in the legs with forks. I like it, man. Maybe Actually, just, I don't know if that's a real story or not. If you know it's what? Just, it is a real story. Yes. It is gonna, now. It. It's been codified it's on Fireground been, Fitness Podcast for all time. It's on the airwaves. So. <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. It's uh, There's so many cool things that, that sports, uh, sports in general and fitness and activities and physical activity, they it is a direct, directly results into, or the result of that is, is, overall wellness you know and like me if i don't get something going if i don't have some sort of physical activity if it's something really simple i can tell as my day goes on that makes or breaks my day kind of you know and and i i feel like if that was more of a known fact that what that is really do for you mentally physically you know um it's uh it can it helps man it really is it's good yeah oh totally so let me so so high school athlete came out of high school what did you do after high school uh, started working for the fire department. Just I went, like that? I, I went and started, I, I, yeah, yeah kind of. Um, yeah, so uh, I, 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 was, I knew I wanted to be on the fire department. So How did you figure that out, first of all? Because I think that's an important distinction for young people to figure out what drove what drives you down that path. Family and family friends, you know. So okay. there were some uh, family friends, uh, the Cortez group, my father and my mother, you know, they all went there and stuff. And so obviously I'm sure you, you know some of the names that were around there and what, what they were, who they were friends with and stuff. And that, so that was always, it was uh, always a pull, if you will, um, just because I think it was cool. I really did. Uh, I also have a family, uh, a direct family that are with the Phoenix Police Department. And um, I thought that that was also a really cool avenue, a really neat thing I wanted to do. Um, and then once I started getting a little bit older, it was suggested, like, not to be some kid hanging around a fire station, this and that or whatever. Just get yourself set up and then come test, you know, type thing. Hmm. And that's coming from. Well, so what was your journey like? My journey was um, whenever I, w- I was, you know, inquiring about it, looking into it a little bit, 
And then for PD, 21, and I was, I, I graduated at 17 because my birthday and stuff. So, like, there's no way that's going to happen. That gives you a lot of years to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, I don't know if I'll pass then. Um, but, no, so um, I did see that there's an opportunity to go do, like, a summer crew deal up in Crown King. And mm-hmm. it was a joint deal with the Forest Service and the Crown King Volunteer Fire Department. And that was just a, hey, come up here. Um, you get paid nothing, basically. But we will give you your S-130, 190, uh, your, your red card, basically, qualification. And then opportunities for training, open-ended, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this sounds amazing, you know? That's so cool. I was up there. Uh, I actually had to wait until July to become 18 to actually start. But I was still <laughs> up there, uh, like, like, helping out, cleaning, dra- just do whatever I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Crown King, but the Forest Service Station's up the hill, up, 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 that you don't, you don't see. And then the Crown King Volunteer Fire Department guys are right there in the main row. So I'd be in between both. Whoever needed me, I was just like a like a probationary firefighter almost. And, right, and just kind of a gopher at that point. Just doing whatever, you know, because I thought it was neat. It was, it was a career I wanted to go into, and this was kind of an avenue for it, you know. Um, and I discovered really quickly that, yeah, this is this is something, man, you know. Um, through the, the volunteer organization, the fire department, they saw fundings and, and their district and stuff. And um, that chief of that, that he was the only paid member of that that department, he sent me to, uh, you know, for like a high angle rescue, um, a really, entry, a really, really basic entry high angle rescue, a uh, rope steel. So I started doing rope stuff right back then. Oh, you so know? that's where the, where the, ba- the seed was planted. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool too, because like, it, not cool, but it was a great opportunity because when I was there, I wouldn't come back down from crowd King, whether I was working for the forest service side or the fire, or the fire department side, because, um, I didn't know if my truck would make it. I had a 92 Explorer <laughs> that I was like, eh, let's just keep it up here for the summer, you know? And yeah, it was great. It got so, me here. That's enough. <laughs> so whoever I was working for, whether it was them or them, um, yeah. I would just bounce around. Like, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm here. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm here. And just doing whatever. But the page out system was all the same if there was an incident with the volunteer fire department, right? So they would still page us out. And Forest Service guys would assist because they're up there, you know, and, and train. So um, I was able to actually uh, do my first like what we would consider like a steep angle rope rescue when I was like 18 years old and on a basket and, and just, and looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I should not have made it. Like, and now that it was, you know, but still it's really neat to be able to, to do that, you know, and to be um, the person to do it because they wanted the young kid to go over there, you know, while they were setting up and managing the systems, which is what we do now still, you know? So it's neat. It was, it was cool. That kind of got me the fire going even more. And then, um, started testing with Phoenix, uh, Right when Ray, you know, within when the next test came around, which was about twenty, got hired and then uh, shot down the hill. So, and here you are. Yeah, and there's other Did stuff. You buy a new truck yet? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I wish I hadn't, kind of. Um, yeah. But then I don't think it would qualify for the send it to them and they're like, hey, we'll get you a new one or whatever. So they were like, no, that thing sucks. Get out of here. I had to tell you, um, it at that it, when I was. Coming out of high school, I had this total garbage piece of car. I think I paid four hundred dollars for it. Like, I don't know how it ran or whatever. You had to do like a series of, of you know, uh, bumps and jostling of of different components and turning the key at the same time to get it to run. Like it was a it was a total shit sandwich yeah. and a death trap, frankly. But we drove the heck out of that thing. And it's it's funny to me, like the stuff that as a you know fairly financially deprived young man the stuff that we had to do to just get moving in life yeah and uh you know get the the ball rolling like and one of the reasons i didn't want to come back down and up the truck ran good but because that that road up and down crown king is known for having nails in it from even the mining Uh, days there's mail they just get knocked up and i was like 
I can't afford another flat tire, you know? <laughs> right. So I had to work until I had a, a, a bank of money to where, okay, if I have a flat tire, I'm good. And, right. you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like, just talk so about funny, living man. from paycheck to paycheck, you know, that as, was, a, as a young yeah. adult. And that was like no joke. You talked about like the college kids going out and eating ramen and this and that. Ramen and uh and and tuna that was my that was my thing because it was cheap i could get it at costco and prescott and uh i would just that was my deal because i yeah. remained a constant up there and other little crews came up like for these little two three week things work experience type stuff and um and the chief there it was so crazy i was like a kid i was younger than some of the people coming up he's like hey you want to do this these people kind of are doing it as a work experience thing no don't get in like an internship type, type kind of like uh you got in trouble this is, to, oh, you know, whatever, yeah. not necessarily like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a work release, like a prison crew on a wildfire <laughs> or anything by any means. It, I, you know, I don't know the, the, the true definition of what it was, but okay. the, the, the people that came up there were not like stoked, you know, for we'll put it that way. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, Hey, I don't feel like dealing with these people. Uh, I want you to be my summer crew supervisor with, oh air, my goodness. with, with air quotes. And, and he said, it's nothing crazy. I just want you to be, you're going to be the constant here. He said, and this is an opportunity for you to take this role. That's and, awesome. And I had no clue, no clue in my mind what him doing that for me did for my life. Hmm. I mean, well, no well, so, so unpack that a little bit. What what did you take away from that? What I took away from that is if you go there and if you, with anything, if you work hard and you, you don't sit and wait, if you go and, and pursue things and go, because I was like, hey, I'm going to be going down. I'm going to do an accelerated deal for my EMT. I, could, I can do this and that so I can be an EMT up here with you guys. And so I, and he's like, cool, we'll help you. Or, you know, the Arizona State Fire School's coming. I can get a little bit more rope knowledge there. He's like, no, we'll send you. Like, so when I kept bringing this, it wasn't like, uh, hey, you guys going to do stuff for me? I was like, no, I want to do this. And then they were willing to help and, and provide and, and push and then put me in that, that deal where, you know, and, and no matter how you look at it, like even it, for me as a kid, it, it, but I was still, it was instilled in me, you practice like you're going to play. So if we're out there just doing fuels reduction, cutting line, dropping trees, we have to have all safety standards in place. We have to have all PPE on. We have to everything, goggles, earplugs, all this stuff. And these guys are like, what? We're out here. I'm like, this is how we're doing it. This is how it's going to be. If you don't like it, then go, you know? And that was a kid doing that. And I think that was just from my, my upbringing, just being able to really stand on the, the line of safety can't be crossed. And that was instilled on me from, from a uh, chief up there too. His name was Steve Lombardo, by the way. He's, he'll probably, I'm going to send this to him because he there needs to go. know. I, and I've told him before what, what he really did, how he set me in, in, in mm. my path. Like that's a, there's an interesting thought you just brought up there that I think is really important. It's, it's really cool to, reach back to people who have been touch points in your life, right? Dude. And share with them the influence that they've had on you. That's, I would challenge anybody, man. If you can, if there's people you think about and you think, man, that, that was valuable, what they shared with me, what they taught me, what they did for me, and you reach out to them, um, a email, text message, phone call, whatever, man, that's, that's a really uh, a valuable thing to do it for is, people. It is so valuable. It's not, it, it's not a self-serving deal. It's uh, like you're saying, you're, you're getting into it. It's, it doesn't make me feel good to tell you, hey, look what you've done. Look, look, at you, look what you've created. Look what you made. <laughs> look what you made. Look, I can walk on water. No, it's more of like, a, hey, what you did set the tone for me and, yeah. and, and put me in this direction and push me in this direction and tell me not to go hang out with those guys on the weekend yeah. up there because I was partying up there. I mean, there were some people up there just, this, you know, and it's just, it's, it's hey, crazy. I'll tell you a funny story, man. I was uh, acting captain. Uh, at Station 12, actually, of all things. And, uh, hold on, hold on. The Station 12. <laughs> Sorry. I said that wrong. <laughs> uh, the Station 12. And 
the the dirty dozen. Yes. And uh, I was acting captain. I was in a weird a weird spot, and I was getting kind of salty. And me and uh, Mike Velasquez was there on a temporary assignment, and he was uh, some of these special ops things happen where he was moved over from his station to help cover the special operations need in our house. So he was there for a couple of months. Well, long story short, one day I get real salty and we have this kid who's intoxicated and I'm uh, at three in the morning and he refuses to stay awake. And so I give him a little thump on the eyeball. And I, I say this, I'm telling you this story, but I'm embarrassed to admit this. <laughs> I thump this guy on the eyeball and I go, Hey, wake up. I'm up. You're up. Oh boy. So I repeat that process a couple of times and nobody says anything right now remember we're on scene with pd we're on scene with fire companies we're waiting on uh, uh i can't remember who it was uh who was coming to take him away but yeah like central city central or city or somebody like that right so the next morning mike pulls me aside as he's packing his bags to head home for the day and he goes hey and and you have to understand um i had 15 years on the job and Mike had 32, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's a backseat firefighter, yeah. seasoned veteran, man. Yeah. He pulls me aside and he says, hey, listen, you're going to be a captain someday. Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not getting in between you and that. He goes, but here's the deal. If you're going to treat people like that, I have no interest in working with you. Yeah. And I was so chastened by that oh, moment. Yeah. I stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I said, Mike, dude, I am so sorry. Um, I, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. He goes, yeah, Hey man, it's just, you can't behave like that, man. That's not who you are. That's not how this, that's not how we do business. Right. And I said, no, you know what? You're hundred percent correct. It took me all of a heartbeat to figure out how wrong I was. And, um, years later he retires. Yeah. Right. However many years later, it was probably three or four years later. And I went to his retirement and I was like, Hey dude, you saved me. Yeah. You kept me from going yeah. down a dark path of stupidity and, yeah. and behavior and uh, I will never forget you for that. So Dude, that stuff is so important, man. Like, mm-hmm. it, and that's a that's a really good uh, testament too. You can really make an impact on a truck, no matter what seat you're sitting mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. I've done it for a long time in my own mind, from where I sit, whatever truck I've been on, and just really been able to to kind of help keep things together. And I think it's almost your position, your, your job, you know, as the company officer has his things to do. So there's gotta be someone who takes a, uh, uh, unofficial leadership role. And yeah, the responsibility of a senior firefighter is tremendous. Oh, it's so crazy. It, it really is. It, it, but it's important. It's, it's such a, there's so much to it. There's so many different webs, flow chart avenues that it could go into. And mm-hmm. you really have to be, you can't just be a, a jack of all trades, master of none. You have to be a master of all trades, master of everything, you know, and really that's understand a, that. There's that's no, a daunting task, It brother. is a daunting task, but it's very important because that company officer is relying on that senior firefighter to know their job and to 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 be in a forward position and make and we're empowered with Phoenix Fire to make these these decisions uh, without having to have someone on well, your back. So you let's know? paint this picture even more clearly. Let's paint it. You go into a zero visibility environment, <laughs> right? I, as a supervisor, uh, I quote lose track of my folks instantly Dude. the minute we walk in, right? That's I cool. might be able to hear you. I might be able to touch you. Um, so if my senior firefighter is not capable of operating independently to a certain degree, right, we have a problem. So it's crazy. So it's so crazy, right? So I had this experience uh, recently. Um, I was on Engine 2. We had, you know, a, a fire, you know, and um, they're solid crew. Solid crews on at the Station 1 in general. Everyone's good. 
And my own nervousness was just like, like my own anxiety was, was, you know, like you said, cause we had some, it was a very, very it, quote unquote hostile environment inside where it's, it's hot. It's, it's, you can't see anything. We got two guys inside. I'm, I'm with them and it's like, but I can't see them. I'm not seeing them. And they, they did a phenomenal job because those senior firefighters, those fire, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They, the, the back, the backup firefighter kept coming to me. He's like checking in like, Hey, just so you know, we're right here. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. Like, and it, it was a really true, uh, testament to these guys being in gals being just, just on their game and it makes life better and it makes things operate efficiently yeah. and effectively. We, we talk a lot about, um, how important trust is. Yeah. Right. And that is a, that is something that is developed over time. And, you know, you don't just come out of, of the training academy, out of the tower, as they call it in some places, as a skilled firefighter. You have the fundamentals yeah. of being a firefighter. So let me, okay, so I'm going to throw a question at you that popped okay. into my head here. As a senior firefighter, yeah. as a senior hoseman in the back, you get brand new Razo. He's for day, T day one, or he's day one out of the academy. Yeah. What do you tell him? If I get myself, <laughs> is that what you're saying? Like, it's yeah. Like you are, it might yeah. What are you telling? Like what are you no. telling twenty twenty year old Razo? Oh, I'm telling him. Um, you know, pay attention, listen, listen, pay attention. And I tell him. I would honestly say, go, go get training. Go, go, go grow with this department don't let the department wait don't wait for for someone to come water you to grow you mm. grow you water yourself don't look at grass and other people's lawns and say is that greener or that greener no make your grass tight make you protect your dew and that's just not not here in in the fire department that's it family home financially mentally physically spiritually all that stuff you know that is the most important thing is if we don't have a good product internally then we can't deliver a good product externally and that goes within your own mind space but then also within our station within our truck within our first due our battalion and so on and so forth and i i would just say it's it's so crucial to to really be be conscious of of what's going on around you you know right so so that's a very i think you're talking about a very broad concept um and i like that the we have to be responsible for developing some of our own knowledge, skills, and abilities yeah. and our own competencies. Um, if we sit and wait for the organization to do it all for us, um, you're going to be sitting and waiting for a long time because uh, it takes a long time for organizational training to happen. And yeah. I think it's important to go and, and there's so much that you can do as an individual right. to build your skills. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this in the context of developing trust and developing uh, capacity on your fire company, Mm-hmm. right in your crew developing crew capacity what are you telling that young that young firefighter in the aspect of what we're doing today yeah let's talk about it so i'm your booter firefighter on a truck for yeah. the day and i'm greenhorn right out of the academy yeah what, what what are you doing to to bring me into your crew to help me be successful first off and I th- safe i think the most important is yeah safety is is your normal safety stuff our normal safety checkoffs hey is your good? Is your stuff set up? Is your name in? You got your part tag? You got your helmet sticker? Just our, our accountability type stuff, right? Mm. Then if, right now, so if we get something right now, we're ready to go. And yeah. then so I, I personally like to go around the truck and look at it 
as if they're showing me the truck, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, can you talk to me about this? Like, what you know, you've been here before. This is your spot. You're a, a, a probationary firefighter here. Can you take me through a couple of things? I usually work on a ladder, you know, or whatever. You know, I'll throw up some. I'll throw out some excuse for myself to them, then empower them to like, oh yeah, well actually, we have the uh, Glendale load on this, and we actually have a 200 here, and we have a 100 on, or whatever. You know what I mean? And just kind of let them start talking. That also gives me a gauge, like like how how involved are they in this, you know tactile version of what we're doing with our our mm, truck our operations mm -hmm. and stuff um and it's just chat with them like and have a true real conversation i do this all the time with with everyone that comes to 12 on the ladder like hey you get cutting because usually we'll I, we'll have whoever ropes through cut you know because we want to make sure we're having our sound person you know managing that and, and leading in the right direction and stuff and i was like yeah yeah i'm good i'm like okay but and this is the time. Like, tell me if you're not, because we will we will get you ready. And I've had some people say, Ah, well, it's been a while. Or, well, I, I, last time I was on a ladder was on during probation. That was 15, 18 years ago. And <laughs> right. I'm like, cool. And that and I'm like, yeah. great. Let's 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 do this together. Let's let's go start these saws. Let's flood start these saws together. Like, I need to go over that again. I don't need to go over that. But I say, that. you know what I mean? We and and I think that it's important to show like I'm not here. You do this. No, let's boom. Let's get on the same level and let's do this together. And I'll learn something we had we had a different um uh, gas cover on one of the saws that that wasn't there before and i've I realized like oh wow this is a vented gas cap you know it's just different little things you know yeah so i think that's important to just to to try to be empathetic of where it, where they are and really feel for where they are and coming into this you know feeling un, unwelcome feeling like because i've been at 12 or so you know this and that and and really let them feel like this is your home like mm -hmm. i hate when people are like i'm just here for the day no, you're not. This is your home. This is your house. Yeah. If you, you, if we're having Thanksgiving, your family is, is expected to come over. Right? This is your house today. Yeah. This is your home. You're talking wow. about a really interesting concept: the 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 role and the the utilization of a rover, <laughs> right? This transient employee in yeah. our organization. And I know in, in 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 our jurisdiction, in our neck of the woods, right? We use rovers a lot, and um, I'm not sure how it's done everywhere else, but it's it's you know modeled. I'm sure there's fill-in guys and different types of uh, staffing models, right? Right. But there's, because we, you know, I was talking about trust, because it's so important that every member on the crew function interoperably together and, and have a sense of commitment and trust amongst the crew, right? right? When you get that random person who's filling in on overtime or who's, who's visiting for the day, as you say, right? As right. a rover, they're, you know, they're here today, gone tomorrow kind of situation. Um, you talk, you brought up a really good point, which is making them feel comfortable. Oh man. Right. So important. It's the most important thing. So I think, and, and rapidly building trust in that relationship is critical because at, you know, we show, say we're doing shift swap at, at, at 0800 and at 0805, you get a career call where it's going. Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's it, happened. That's a real thing. Right. Yeah. And so being getting in and rapidly connecting with people, knowing job responsibilities and, and what the expectations are and where things are located and, um, you know, and then having rapport with that individual. It's yeah. not just some dude in the back. It's, you know, it's Razo, right? Yeah. It's a person. And there's some, there's something, uh, an assessment that has to be done of right. what knowledge, skills and abilities they possess and, right. and what, 
they're going to be able to contribute to the team. Yeah, and that can be done really quick as well. Like yeah, I know sure I'm drawing you know. it out, but it no, no, no. absolutely it, what, what can I'm happen fast. Like, like, that's a quick conversation with, that, yeah. that I'll have with people. Like, you start wrapping a couple things, you start, you know, and it's a it's a dynamic question with with a flowing answer. Sometimes you're like, okay, we're going to go down this little this little brook on this way or this this river on this way, yeah. and see what they need, what they feel. But number one, it's it's making them feel comfortable and welcome to the station. We have uh, <laughs> we have like little workout shirts at the station at twelve, like engine and ladder. You know, they actually say it on the back and and i'll offer them like hey on ladder day hey you could do we got a shirt if you want to work for the day you know just just like a day <laughs> shirt so you can feel like you're on the ladder you know you're on the engine whatever just because it's the difference between renting and owning a vehicle or, or anything right if they if they rent if you rent a car you do you, do you clean it do you really you really do much with it other than just drive it where you need it maybe see what you can burn out in it you know in a, yeah. in a parking lot in the snow or something i'm talking the east coast but if you own a vehicle, you're taking care of it, you're PMing it, you're maintaining it, you get to a dealership for, for its its annual or yearly or monthly checkups and stuff like that. So I would li- I, I try to, and we, I, a lot of people and in, in organizations and members out there try to get people to, to own this experience, to own your, own your day today, own your station, your truck, you know, and then you get a lot more uh, product, productivity out of them and caring, they care, you know. Yeah, there's an there's a certain amount of investment that has to happen, and, and it were, it's funny you say that because I was putting it on, kind of the crew, right? When you show when when a rover shows up to your crew, what do you do to build relationship and establish rapport and all that jazz? But there's a component of this that is on the the transient employee, right, on the rover, yeah. and and what is their responsibility to show up to a station and figure out their place right. in this. And not not figure it out, but establish their right. place and their role. Um, you know, and I know that the organization has, and all fire departments have a certain set of expectations that are built into the culture. Right. You know, you show up, we do these things, we check off trucks, we check our air packs, we figure yeah. out what's going on for dinner, for chow that right. day. We you know we drop our money for kitty, what have you, all those types of things. Right. Right. Those are important elements, and um, but the other piece of that that I would add to that is the human being peace you've got to go in and connect with people dude that you hit it right there it's the being a person with them right yeah i hand my number out like johnny appleseed to these young rovers all the time because like like and i truly do like even if just for that shit i'll talk to my dude i I didn't you're cool i here here's my number if you ever need anything let me know because i i mean i have the answer but i've got an avenue for you you know and and then you see him a year later or whatever. And I remember a couple little things about him. And, and even if I can just remember something, it's still an opening. It's still a, hey, welcome back. Or, hey, good to see you again. And, and you now you're developing this like this almost family-type relationship rather than just a transient three-year station. And that's what I think is so important is just the relationships that you build within this this organization. Not just with your crews, not just with your station, or even our you know sworn employees, with our non-sworn employees, with our community members, with... You know, you see me walk through resource. Good luck getting me out of there in 10 minutes because I'm going by everyone. Hey, Lope. Hey, Terry. Hey, this. What's up? What's up, Jimmy? What You know, and, and it's yeah. because these people mean so much to me personally and to our yeah. to us and our organization. It goes both ways. It's an inverted pyramid. What you see is the is the task level stuff that's sitting on the ground. Right. That's what what, what, what you see. But that thing wouldn't sit there in that pyramid that's inverted wouldn't balance without all this other stuff that keeps it there. And uh, it's just so important to really, again, like I was saying, be conscious of the fact of what really is happening around you, you know, uh, both up and down. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, those relationships that that you build with your members of your organization are so important. 
especially when you know you have a you have a uh, let's just say you have a shift where not a lot goes on and and it's relatively quiet and you run a couple calls and and if you don't invest in in your folks and you know to me you have to be training and develop doing things together right going out and PTing together and yeah. training together and and watching movies together like doing all those things that you would do as a family building that rapport uh, and from that comes the capacity to be successful on the fire ground. Yeah, man. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just manifest because you went to the TA and, and got some fundamentals. It, it comes from putting in time yeah. over the day, especially when you get into more complex environments like rope work and things like that, where uh, everyone has a role to play. Right. And, you know, and actually this happens throughout all of our operations, right? Everyone has a role to play. And I need, this goes back to the zero visibility thing. I need to know that you will be able to handle your role in absentia, right? Of some supervision. Right. You got to go do your thing. And then I got to trust that the part you played yeah. was done effectively. Yeah, and I think it goes both ways too, because those, they, they need to know that you will manage the scene appropriate, appropriately. You will, you will engage when you, you know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. And it goes, it goes both mm -hmm. ways, man. And it's, it's a two-way street, you know, it really is. And when, when, when people can just realize that and see, like, it goes up, goes down, and, and it bridges, not walls type thing as far as, you know, it, it, it just, it, it can be, it, it is. It's so, such a beautiful thing to see unfolding right in front of you every single day. And then you as a crew, as a group, and you have this ro rover in or this or that, and then you get to go and make an impact on the community and throw that added value into your call and do that, you know, bring the paper in and make the soup for, for Mrs. Smith, if you will. It just all those little things, and then you're showing these members that hey, you've got guy, you got a guy Brian McQuaid, it's about to retire, and he's the one, you know, let's do this for her. It's like, that's what this whole thing is about. It's a, it's a, and as the Disney put it, it's a circle of life. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you know we talk about uh, when you're new on the job, we talk about you know st you're standing on the shoulders of those who came before you, right? Yeah. And we talk about building on that legacy. Well, that's a uh, a vital part of what we're talking about here it, it, it continues to go and will con will continue to evolve um well beyond our time in oh, this yeah. in this element right but the key is to is to develop those coming behind you and continue to to um you know water the part of the garden that you're standing in you know and yeah. and, and building relationships throughout the organization so that you can have uh meaningful influence with people and and, and meaningful relationships and, and trusted and valued relationships you know I talk, and i talked about that kind of quiet shift where you go out and you train and maybe you don't you know do a whole lot of of serious work but you still are building so that the next day when you come in or in six months and that person comes back you have a jumping off point that's reliable yep. and not just were you here before you know have you worked here before yeah yeah, I was here for two weeks, yeah. six months ago. Yeah. Dude, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. You do. You, you start developing and kind of like what we said, your brain, developing those different pathways for the near, you know, for, mm -hmm. for your muscles and different movements. You start developing different pathways organizationally with, with knowing people and rapport and different shifts and different, you know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's so crucial to have like, and I, I have to use 12 because I work there and I've been there and stuff. And you could take any shift there and just completely jumble it up with all the others. And it's like the same. It's like one continuous shift that goes on forever there. It just goes because it's, it's just how it is, man. We all get along. We all work together. We all trade with each other. We all do this. We all have socks now. I mean, come on, this, this is real. <laughs> no, it's just, and, and that's, the, that's again, the, the beauty of, of what we have and, and what things could be is, 
is it, it comes, it starts with communication and, and actually caring. And you really have to, it, it's an effort to care sometimes, you know? So, so, it, so you talked about 12 having socks. So shameless plug. Wait, um, what? <laughs> 12 has socks and they're dope. Um, and actually I got, I got one of the very first t-shirts that came out of the most recent batch of t-shirts with the rising sun and the 12 and it's really cool. Yeah. That, that's the, that shirt right there. Yeah, I like to promote our business. Yeah. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Not business. Um, so what, okay. So let's, let's, for those who are unacquainted with 12, what is it? Cause you keep, you keep gesturing at it. <laughs> what is it that's so uh, cool about working at 12? Um, I, and I, I worked there for a number of years in the, in the, uh, in the interest of complete transparency. So I have a vested interest in 12. I love 12 is a great spot. Yeah. One of my favorite places to work over the years. Tell us, so tell us a little bit about well, 12. We'll start first off. If you look up the number 12, it's a divine number. I'm shocking. Uh, no. <laughs> no, you know what? 12 is cool, man. It's uh, it's one of our tech rescue stations in the city. Um, we're located strategically uh, close to Camelback and Piestua Peak. Um, and also we're a second due um, for our Papago. And then anywhere else in the city, we, we will go usually and, and assist with our other tech rescue stations. Um, but 12 does handle the Camelback and the Squaw Peak mountain rescues, which we get a lot of them. And um, again, so when people go to 12, you have the anticipation you are gonna be on the mountain. And when it's summer, when it's cold, when it's, you're just going to go, you know, you're going to go. So um, anyone who just wants to get a specialty assignment just to have it and just to maybe, you know, be able to, to benefit from, from, you know, that, that specialty, uh, you will, you, if you okay, go to let's 12, be clear what? to just get paid. <laughs> well, man, Hey, yeah, whatever you say. Uh, but you, if you go to 12, you're, you're going to be working, you're going to be up the mountain. You're going to be, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing this stuff and, and same with other stations. I'm not saying just we're the only one, but, but we, we, we're the ones who are, we're hiking, you know, we're the ones who are boots on the ground. We're the first tech rescue state uh, team that gets to Camelback and Piestua. And uh, we, we hike because uh, we know that we've got Station 8 coming and they have the arts on the trucks and they are going to be in a, is it, they're operational, but also kind of a tactical reserve to fl- start flying equipment and personnel up. And, you know, so there are huge vital resources as well. But help, it, help you threw out an acronym there. Help people understand what art is. Oh, it's a, uh, it, it's, there are certain firefighters with that our organization on our tactical rescue that are uh, aircraft rescue and they do our aircraft uh, operations. Like they're the ones who hook up the hoist. If we're hoisting someone up, if we're um, using what are like our Bauman bags, our bags that we'd use uh, if we're doing air operation and we're using the hook to bring people out of a situation, um, they have to go through special training to actually be, um, approved and available on that call to do all the hookups because it is a very, very, um, high risk situation. Yeah. Anytime you start bringing the airframe in, you have to be very careful. Right, right, right. And so that's why we, you know, through our, our program, there's these arts that are are strategically placed throughout the city, uh, our tech rescue trucks to be available, to be the ones that are getting in and out of the helicopters traditionally, because they, they have more training in the air operations section. So, yeah. But 12, 12 hikes, and uh, you, so you end up getting people that, that really want to go there and really want to do the tech rescue deal, you know, and nothing against anyone who goes to any other station or who roves as a, as a rescue technician or anything like that. Um, it seems like people that go to 12, it, they kind of stay around there, too. You see a lot of guys uh, that were in the back seat when I first got there. They're now captains there and, and, and still hanging around, you know. It's, it's one of those places, you know, first off, let me start with, it's, I think, the best eat out first do in the city. You know, you've got so many fantastic places to eat out. And 
you know, unfortunately, we have to eat out a lot because we're usually on rescues or, or training or something. And so it's really never like a, oh, shucks, you know, it's like, what do we got? You no, know? it's, oh, it's going to break the bank. Yeah, no, it's, oh, yeah, it's, oh we're <laughs> going to gain area. 10 pounds. But um, it's just a good, you end up getting good groups of people there. And, uh, and it's been like that, you know, you get good people over there. And, yeah. and you do it every station. Let me just not discredit any other station. But I have a, an interest there. I work at 12 and I feel like we have a good group. Yeah. You know? I think that 12 is an interesting first do, and I think it's, um, you know, since we're going to talk about it, and I think that that's one of the things that characterizes that station is, on one hand, you've got, you know, very high-end, very, uh, you know, custom homes and, and white car- shag carpet and things like that on one end of your first do. Yeah. Um, and then on the other end of your first do, you have feral chickens running around the streets yeah. and... You know, and, and folks who are at the very far end of the socioeconomic spectrum right. from the from the other side of the first do. So it's a very diverse place to work, and um, and then on top of that, you get to do mountain rescues and yeah. and, and water rescues and all the other the, all the technical rescue type work, um, which adds a, a very dynamic yeah. aspect to it. Yeah, it's, it's fun, and that's why it's just it it. And you'll ask anyone that that's there. Uh, it's just, the days just fly by. You know, and, and it it's so crazy to think, but there's been times when like it's been nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. There goes our day. I wish I wish we could start <laughs> this over because it's fun. You know, we have a good time. And uh, it's just because there's always something going on. And even if there's nothing going on externally, we do stuff internally with our station pride projects, hanging out. We, we PT together or, or in groups. And um, and again, we are nerds when it comes to ropes and, and systems and setups and stuff. And we've got all that stuff in the bay. And we'll just start hanging out and doing stuff like that as well. So. You know, yeah, it's not uncommon to roll into 12 and, and see somebody hanging from the rafters <laughs> in the bay. Yeah. You know, what is yeah. he doing up there? Oh, he's just hanging around. Just hanging out. Not a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's funny. So you've you've had the opportunity to work in a lot of different locations in, in the course of your career and um, a lot of different positions and, right. and doing different stuff. So what so far in your career, what has been the most enjoyable to you and why? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. You can kind of like, like cut that one up a little bit. Um, because I think in that time, wherever I am or wherever I was or in the future, wherever I will be, I consider that the best time of my life because that's me, you know, making it that. But looking back, um, I really enjoyed working. Um, I really enjoyed Ladder 37. And that's a, I just mistakenly got that spot with just a few years on the job. And I was like, wow, I might be able to get a ladder spot because that was like unheard of, you know. Um, and I got this, the, the, the spot, the backseat firefighter spot on ladder 37, again, like three years on, you know, it was just a, the time of the, a, a, a product of the times of people retiring and moving. A lot of people were moving around and it kind of just like slid through almost, you know, um, but very junior on the fire department, I got to work at a ladder and I was, we were getting fires. Like we were working, we were, we were just rolling. And I, I had a really good company officer when I first got there, which was Dan Orm, just a very, very smart, just, just, just a great dude. Just a, someone you, you would want to model your life after you want to, to run on your family, someone that knows his job and, and just, just great, you know, and, and we were, we were working extrications, fires. And I'm like, I, I'm a firefighter right now. It's, it was crazy. Um, Dan went to a different station. Keith Rohr came over and I, again, it just like, here we go. I get this, oh, this great experienced person that's, that just loves to train, likes the tools, knows the equipment. And it showed me and set me up for, for what, not just a ladder truck, but just a truck should be people who know their job, know what to do, know their capabilities and want to grow. And that's, that's, 
I, so Ladder 37 set that tone, and then everywhere I've gone since then has been like, let's let's make this that, you know. So mm-hmm. there's never been pushback. You want to be better. So I, you know, it's funny you're talking about the the influence that the company officer had. And I think there's some value in the fact that it was a, that you were busy. You guys were getting good work and you remember that. I think that's important, right? Cause that contributes to your job satisfaction. You know, you, you talk, you hinted at, you know, you know, I'm fireman right now. Like you, you get yeah. this, the you're actually doing this job. And yeah. I think there's times in your career when you go places, and you're like, it's kind of quiet here and nothing ever happens here in this little honey hole. Right. Um, and so you have these company officers who are, clearly invested in working who are training you up and and adding value. Um, How are you turning around and and doing that same thing wherever you go? Because I I feel like that's, I I know that's something that you are interested in doing. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that there's always an opportunity to make yourself and and someone else better. Right. Um, And that's a daily thing, you know, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, whatever section I'm working in or whatever is to, you know, how can we make this better? How can we grow? How can I help you grow? So my, my thing is, you know, cause I'm getting my, my hands in some different things and I've have been, you know, for a while, um, is not just to look to where forward of where I'm going or where I want to go, but now to look back and get people to my level, to take my positions, to take my spots, to take these things to then, I, I then move on to something else. It's almost like a, like a Ray Donovan, if you will. I come in, take on a situation, do it, have it stabilized, now it's yours, you know? And that's a, probably a weird, not Ray Donovan, more like a Ghostbuster, I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> really make sense either. I just thought of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> but but no, I think it's important to um, to develop yourself and and yeah. crew members, you know? Well, I'll, I'll add, you've talked about that theme from the very beginning, right? From the very beginning of your career, you had somebody investing in you. And I think that... Uh, Chief uh, Lombardo, Lombardo, the man. He, he invested in you and and basically set an example for you oh. uh, on how to how to grow up in this organization in the fire service at large. And you sought out other people who were willing to invest in you. And so you know, it makes perfect sense to me that you would want to do the same thing as you move around, right? Oh, yeah. Sharing the things that you've learned with those that are coming behind you. Yeah, I th- and like. Ray Donovan. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's totally different. No, X that, edit that out. No, but but you're right. And it's it's such an important thing, I think, to evaluate. You know, everyone everyone looks at, like, when you fail. When, when something isn't going awesome, like, all right, let's look at this. What happened here, this and that. But it's also important to evaluate your successes and, and really see, like, take a little, it, it's okay to take what we call a tactical timeout and something's not going good. Okay, what's what do we need to do? What do we need to evaluate here, right? Mm-hmm. What's this, what's this, what's this? But also when things are going really good and things are going it, it, what you would consider successful and successful success is a different definition for everyone. I, I truly believe that. But in your definition, things are going well. It's good to also take that same tactical time out and say, okay, let me look at everything. Why is this going so well? Hmm. And how mm-hmm. can we sustain this? Right. Or can we build on it? Or are we setting ourselves up for failure because we don't have sustainable things that are making this falsely? You know what I mean? So, and that is that, that's just a self eval that, I mean, every three, six, and 12 months, giving yourself, your own self internally. Dude, I am the most internal in my head person in the world, I think. And I'm probably not, but like I could just not talk to anyone all day and just be completely entertained and happy. And I've learned stuff. I've taught myself something. It's just wacky. It's crazy. But I'm always thinking and always, you know, sometimes to a, to a fault. But it's really important to internalize things and, and look at yourself, look in the mirror and see hey, why is this going good right now? Or why is mm-hmm. this going bad right now? Or why did this part go good, this part go bad, this part, was, you know, wh- what happened there? And then in turn, take that knowledge, take, take that data, you know, data's big, you know. And uh, 
So there's some there's something interesting there. I think that you're absolutely right. There needs to be a degree of integrity in it, though, right? We have to be honest right. about our assessment. Right. And I can tell you, over the years, I've been on tailboard discussions after events, and people are like, oh, well, that fire went fantastic. And I'm like, well, the fire went out, Yeah. so that's good. But there's a series of other things that we probably, that I know personally that I did poorly. Right. Right, that I made a mistake on, or that I that I, that I got tripped up on, or made it you know an error, and I think that we are afraid. I say that you know, very generally speaking, of having hard conversations, right? Yeah. So I think that part of how we have those hard conversations is by acknowledging the things that went wrong, but also acknowledging the things we did right. So right. what. You know, if we tailboard an event, we say, hey, okay, let's talk about some things that we might have made a mistake on or things that we could have done better. Okay, great. We've identified those things. What would we do differently next time? Right? Here's some things we would fix and do differently next time. And we say, all right, well, what went well? Hey, man, that on-scene report was was really crisp and was on point. The size up was on point, whatever. Hey, whoever took that plug, it looked really smooth. The hose line was laid down. The the left-hand side of the street looked really nice. Like, it it created good access, you know, whatever. Um, And talking about the things that we did right that we want to see repeated, that's important too. And, um, you know, know, we are, as much as we are, uh, you know, hardened species yeah. as firefighters, we're still human beings awesome. and we got to acknowledge the good stuff that we did as well. So yeah, it's it, that positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. I think from a company officer, command officer from all that, yeah, I think it's really important. Cute. It's also to say like, Hey, I, I know we weren't cool with this, but this went well and, and let's, let's just acknowledge what did go good, you yeah. know? And it, it, you don't turn off, you know, you don't, people don't like, Oh great. Here we go. He's just going to complain about blah, blah, blah. You know, people are like, Oh, thank you. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. You know, you get more buy-in. It's buy-in, 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 yeah. buy-in. So, well, you're, so just like we have to have trust in the four people working on a fire apparatus, you have to have trust with your command officers, yeah. trust with your adjacent companies. Yeah. Right. And part of that trust is, um, being, well, first of all, let's just say this. If you are on the fire ground and you do something wrong, own it. Yes. Own your mistakes. Right. None of us are perfect. And I've had a couple of fire chiefs over the years teach me that there has never been a perfect operation, right? Because we're dealing with a hazard that's evolving and a fire ground that's dynamic. And so things are always going to be slightly off of perfect. So with that in mind, if you make a mistake, own that and, and, Publicly own that because if everybody here knows yeah. uh, what you did or didn't do, and if, if you're not going to own your shit, then um, I'm going to lose faith in you and lose trust in you, right? So part of that trust is about Bill having integrity for what's taking place on the fire ground and saying, yep, hey, I made a mistake here. Um, here's what went well for me. Here's the mistake I made and how it disrupted the operation. Yeah. And then that will open up the conversation for us to, on, to all honestly speak to yeah. what we could have done differently next time and how we approach fire ground operations it's huge yeah sometimes it takes that initial step into the circle to get everyone else to step into that safe circle and say yeah let's talk about this you yes know? and uh and yeah i've, I've been the you know it, it personally been the person to say uh after something i gave a real sketchy on scene report once i was on squad 44 and it wasn't even like it wasn't it wasn't crazy you know it was it was it hit the no thing, you said but, it was sketchy but it was sketchy <laughs> it was not like smooth by any means and i had been on other stations this and that and given other ones that i'm like man i, I feel like they should record that and play that for everyone like that was in my own mind you know but yeah. i get a real sketchy one and it was ended up being nothing but that's not the point the point is that uh i actually 
I, I spoke with, with one of the, the gentlemen on the engine because we were already out. I was like, hey, man, I, I am sorry. Like, that was muddy. He goes, oh, it's fine. I was like, no, it wasn't fine. He goes, okay, yeah, it sucked. But, you know, <laughs> and, and, it, and it was me saying that and this and that. Obviously, the, the, the VC never even made it. And stuff. I even called him. I was like, hey, man, just so you know, I, 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 under, I know. That I was know. not my best work. And, and he goes, he goes, I wasn't going to call you. It was fine. I was like, no, it wasn't fine. Then he said, yeah, it sucked kind of, you know. So, again, it's yeah. like I, I, I like to get ahead of it. And I, I think that just as a person, uh, not just myself but in general, um, to just acknowledge that stuff and just say, yep, tilt your hat to it. That sucked. Let me make it better next yeah. time. And I guarantee you, you know, that happens the next shift. It's going to be a lot cleaner. You know? yeah. And it has. It has been. So. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, it's, it is really an important tool to – start with being honest with ourselves, right? And you talked about doing an assessment and, you know, checking in with with yourself. Like, what am I doing that's working well? What am I doing that's not working well? Like, gosh, that takes us some amount of reflection. That's yeah. really important. And it's not easy because you have to, being honest with ourselves is tricky. Um, and then extending that to your circle of influence around you, yeah. right? Being honest with people and having hard conversations in a loving, caring way, like, you know, um, it, it makes me think of, you know, as a fire captain, right? When I was a captain and even as a battalion chief, to me, if I love my guys, if I really care about them, I train them. Yeah. And sometimes going out and training is not the most fun thing to do, right? Especially if we have an issue and we're, we're doing something poorly where our skill set is weak in a given area. But if I care, I go out and I fix it and we train on it and right. we do the right thing. If I don't care and I ignore the problem, meh. And it's going to get worse. And that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the organization. doesn't help that crew. It doesn't help my, you know, the battalion at large. Yeah. certainly doesn't help Mrs. Smith if, yeah. uh, if our companies are not repairing. So it starts with an honest assessment right. of where we stand. What are our capabilities? Yeah, and absolutely. having some integrity there. Yeah, having some integrity. And, and realistically, not preparing and not training like that, it's not just, doesn't just look muddy if you will you know as far as public perception or even you know surrounding you know adjacent company perception it's dangerous it's flat out dangerous we still have a dangerous job we still do stuff that that could and and may hurt injure or kill us or the people that we're going to rescue and save and and you still have to think that we do a dangerous job we're in dangerous situations even 962s or our our vehicle accident and we're, we're spying the vehicles and putting on our our correct PPE and, and visibility vests and stuff like that. That's dangerous, man. I almost got smoked on, you know, not too long ago. Um, and I did nothing wrong. I w- we were completely in the right. And it was just someone trying to get around a scene that came around the protected side of the truck. And I was there. Um, so it, it, you have to be aware, not just with the consciousness of yourself and what's around you and the people around you and what they could be thinking, but also physically aware of your surroundings. This is a different job now, you know, and, um, and it always has been dangerous. It always has been, but, but also how you're presenting yourself and how you're reacting, you know, there's cameras, there's phones everywhere, Yeah. you know, and I like to remind my crews that no matter what position I'm in, backseat, driving, front seat, whatever, it's like, we are always on camera the second we step off that truck. So a look good, act good and do what you're supposed to do. You do that. How can you be wrong? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the critical piece that you talked about was the ever present danger on this job. Yeah. So it, which just reinforces for me how important it is to be, uh, to have operational integrity, right. And yeah. to talk about 
the things that went well and what didn't, you know, I had a, this is kind of a dumb too. Early on in my career, we had a medical call and I was a brand new paramedic and I turned to my partner and I go, Oh, you know, what could I have done better? And he goes, ah, you did great. And I'm like, dude, that's bullshit. Yeah. I'm calling BS right now. There's something that I could have done better. And so can you please like, let's walk through that call real quick and, and revisit what went well, what didn't and why I can, how I can improve. That's an EMS call. And if we're not doing that on, on, emergency events and, and fires and trainings that we do and all that. You have to be honest and in your evaluation of what's taking place. Absolutely. It's funny. You, you prompted a thought of my own. Um, I remember being younger on the department. Uh, my first engine spot was engine 27 before I went to the ladder, which was very soon after that. But I remember some after call conversations like, hey, guys, can we talk about that really quick? I'm like, ugh rolling my eyes, kicking the back seat like a child, like whatever, you know, okay, okay. I'm not getting, we're talking like 21, 22 year old kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, this is how this went. This is what I've kind of, you know, I'm talking about, or this company officer is talking about, you know, laying this out and, and, but then we're all on the same page, you know, it, it, he had a new crew kind of all coming together. Um, it was Tim Stanley was the, was the captain. Dave, Dave uh, Stern and I were in the back seat and Bieber was driving. We all kind of came there within, you know, a very short amount of time. And, and, but, Tim was doing his, his job and he was like, Hey, let's just get on the same page really quick. And, but then after the first couple of times, I remember uh, Stern looking at me like, Hey, settle down kid. You know, like, listen, you know, and I was like, okay, if Stern's saying that, I, okay. And, and that's all it took was just, Oh, okay. And then to start realizing why we're, you know, just get on the same page and man, how valuable, you know, like what a great, great I- example, you know, Tim was and, and, and Dan and, and Keith and all these other, you know, uh, great company officers I've had that, mm-hmm. that have really just set the tone and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, you, you have, the, you're in such a great position as a backseat firefighter to go around to experience different things and take little pieces of, of what work and what you like. And then now you develop this transformer of a person you are taking things from everyone else, you know, and all of them did the same thing. So you're getting literally the best of the best of the best of the best tearing up in, in theory, right. Yeah. As, as, as our future leadership, man. And it's, it's exciting, you know, yeah. transformers, we're transformers, you know, <laughs> So. Yeah, we've got some good television, media, media uh, and, and movie uh, quotes so far. Not quotes. Uh, ex- oh, forget about Well, you know what I want? I want people to be able to hear this, but also visualize like <laughs> a transformer in the back seat, like just taking out Decepticons, you know? Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> hey, so let me ask you some, uh, so, some closing questions. Okay. First of all, um, you have a series of tattoos. I do. What's your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one, well, I tell you my least favorite one. Can we start with that? Sure. That actually got, is probably a better story. Dude, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The favorite ones, they're all my favorite. Um, I have one that says rain. Great. No, I'm just joking. Uh, right here. <laughs> and I know this isn't on right there. You see that boy? Uh-huh. That bad boy, a San Francisco 49ers tattoo. Yeah. I lost a vet at the fire's house uh, when I was at Station 33 with a Niners fan. And um, the, the, it was, we were, I was supposed to win. I, I will put it that way. But you didn't. But I didn't. And I had to get a diner's tattoo. So that's the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. And you that. have it on the front where you can see it every day. Well, hold on. Okay. It's not on my forehead. It's up tucked away. Like, like you know I what I mean? Oh, and you stand in the mat in the mirror in the morning and you do your personal assessment. You're like, freaking 49ers. <laughs> yeah. But I've got one of those goofy funhouse mirrors that makes me look taller and slimmer. So <laughs> well, at you know, least there's that. Yeah. I like that. At least but, there's that. Uh, and one of my favorite would be, I'd say my favorite in general, just my kind of like my right side. I'm split completely down the middle as far as 
good and evil, not good and evil, but, you know, I've got a lot of family, a lot of stuff that really means like good heart warming things like close to me on this right side and the left side is more of a story of, of, of what is the opposite, the yin and the yang almost, you know? Okay. So, yeah. Cool. So I've got like all family stuff and just different things on that side. I like that. You know? That's very cool. I think, uh, my brother was a tattoo artist and there's, I, I love tattooing as an art form. Uh, there's so much beauty in it and there's so much personal story in it. Right. It's funny you say that because there's people who don't even know I have tattoos out there because I wear long sleeves 99% of the time when I'm at the work and this this and that. And I remember I wore short sleeve to like work out or something over it too. And uh, Polly's like, what is going on? You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, you know, uh, because I don't do it for anyone. I do it for me. Of I course, like it. I like, course, I like yeah. to capture that moment, that, that memory, that person, that whatever it is and, and throw it, throw it down, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. Never uh, make a bad bet again. Uh, dude, I'll make it. I'll make one right now. You want to bet on something? Let's do it. No. Um, and it's a story, you know, yeah. kind of like yeah. at work when they're like, oh, I hope we have a good shift. I was like, but if we don't, I hope we have a really bad one. Cause that's a better story next tomorrow. You know, Let's, a, a normal shift is just whatever. Let's have yeah, a crazy We've one. forgotten all the, the bad, the normal shifts are just merely interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's go. They're gone. Let's go extreme. You know? <laughs> so yeah, the tattoo, this, the, the right side in general is all family, my daughter and you know, this and that. So yeah. Nice. Um, if you weren't a firefighter, what would you be? <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, I, I do so many different things uh, just outside of the fire department. And not not crazy. I'm not like, but but I, I don't know. You know, I, I think I'd probably end up working. It, it's hard because my exposure was immediate into the, some stuff that I'm into and like and have, have grown upon. So if I still had that exposure into the rope stuff and the stuff I really like to do, I'd probably be working for one of the large rope companies or a, or, or a private, you know, I'd have a, my own deal, where I, which I do, uh, you know, an industrial access type deal or confined space standby, you know, you know, it'd, it'd be picking up crumbs of that from, from some other large companies and stuff, you know, just, I would go do that. I really enjoy wildland, you know, I've, I've, I've stepped foot on a wildland fire for 19 years now, so it, it might, it's still be a firefighter, but out doing that. Um, but other than that, man, I don't know. I don't really have any other skills, which is sad to say, you know, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, well, your whole adult life has been in the fire service. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know. What else before that? I was, I, I that's a hard question. I need you to, really you're going to have to go home and reflect on that one. I right? might. <laughs> we have to add something in later. So. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I do, honestly. Mm. So I like physical fitness, probably like a personal trainer, but you can't do that forever. You know? But, yeah. So. yeah. Nobody wants the old, the old. What would you do? Trainer. How about this? Let's this isn't about this. me. Let's flip the script. I want to do one me. where we, I interview you. Okay. Oh. You know, it's funny. I, I asked that question because I ponder on it myself a lot. Like, what would I do? What would I do? I, when I was a Marine, I loved my service, my time in the service. Yeah. Um, I have often thought about what, why I got out and maybe I shouldn't have. I would have really enjoyed it. So I, I'm not copying you. Okay. I promise. <laughs> like, I am not. I'm laughing right now saying this. And you can probably hear it in this, this, the mic. Um, I wish I would have went into the military and and seeing where that would take me you know immediately um mm -hmm. and i just i saw an opportunity for this actually that was one of my plans was to take the asvap go in uh you know do you know navy uh, or something you know that's where i was kind of trending um but that's something i do that is a regret i have totally i could have easily done with not getting hired for four years you know yeah. minimum and and had that experience and i really truly wish i would have and, and i re i regret that to this day yeah like and i remember looking like what's the what's the age you still sign up you know what i mean like i'm past that now but you know but right. but yeah i remember looking at that years ago i was like wait can i still go serve can i still you know because i think that's just so valuable you know yeah 
Well, okay, so let me ask you one more question. This one might be kind of, maybe it'll be hard. I don't know. You just asked me a hard one. Okay. <laughs> you want an easy one? No, Which no, one? no. Hard ones. All the hardest ones. <laughs> I don't want easy questions. Okay. What is it about your career that you value most? What is it about my career so far that I value most? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess you haven't closed a chapter on it I've yet. Not Clear is still going. I'm still rolling, man. Yeah. I'm rolling like an engine, steam engine. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I think knowledge, I think the knowledge that I've gained the knowledge and the experience and I know these are really vague answers but but you know it, it's such a dynamic question because there's so many aspects to even my personal career you know it, it just different ways it's gone different ways it's going um, but I feel like this career in the fire service it gives you an overall understanding a very blanket understanding of a lot of different things a lot of different avenues right um, you can call anywhere in the country or the world a a fire truck for to assist you and they will fix your problem whether it be what blank 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 whether it's rescue whether it's a fire whether it's a, a stuck cat whether it's a, a dog with its paw in the, it, whatever like you really learn how to be a problem solver you really learn how to and i think that's that translates over to other sections or other parts of my life when my starter goes out in my truck. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's start popping this. Let's start getting this stuff rolling. And it's not like a, oh, what do I do? You know, you start thinking already. You're thinking four or five steps ahead of, of the situation or the problem, which we do in the fire service, you know. And I think that's been really advantageous, um, not only in my career, but outside of it, is just overall growth and development and the way you kind of are able to perceive things, you know. I think it's important. And also, I, I really do. Try, I like to help people, man. Like, I really, really do internally and externally. And that is no joke. And you can talk to some of these young kids that, that have rove through and, and that I've, I've really sat down and talked to about, hey, you know, let's start looking this direction. Like, you're kind of rude on that. You know what I mean? But you start realizing, like, like people call you on their worst day. What can you do to make their day better? Not just their immediate problem. What else around that? Which we call, we're taught that added value. And Man, to, to see someone, then to see him later on at Fry's or something like that, uh, two weeks later, like, oh, man, you were so nice. You did this. Or I oh, remember you sat at the care home and played the piano for us. And, you know, because you do that stuff. Obviously, once the situation is stable and we're, you know, now we're looking at who else we can entertain with our show. Um, <laughs> it is, man. You're on, you're on camera. You're on stage. You're, you're there. You're there to do a job and, and you do it. And then once that's stable and gone, then who else? You guys want to hear a song? You know, it, it's just, it, it, again, the situation will dictate the action and the whether it's acceptable or not, but if there's a, a time and a place to provide a little bit more to people, not just externally, but internally, man, I love it. I really do love it. it and it really does. Maybe it's just self-satisfying thing. I like, you know, being able to do that, but I also like that I'll have a young Rover or someone call me years later and like, and ask me a question. Cause I know that they know that I care about them. That, that to me, I think is really the meaning of life to have that impact on people, your children, your elders, your coworkers, Whatever, you know, I want people to, uh, to know they're loved. I do. I love people, man. I love you, Rain. Thanks, Roz. Yeah. That, so. Right on, brother. Well, hey, that's a, that's a wonderful place to wrap right there. I think, um, you know, I heard uh, somebody recently tell me that his philosophy for leadership was uh, to lead with love. And I think <laughs> that that is a uh, very profound statement and all and very encompassing. And how we execute on that is really important. Yeah. The, um, so if somebody wants to reach out to Roz for whatever reason, where would they find you? Did you find me Station 12 every Thursday? <laughs> no, uh, no, they can find me on uh, just everywhere. Your phone number, you know, Instagram. Don't give them your phone number. What's your, what's your Instagram? It's a PHX 
R E S Q, Phoenix Rescue, which is my company separately, but I also use that as my uh, Instagram deal. So beautiful. Yeah. And, and does Twelve have a page? Twelve does. Yeah. It's funny you ask. Uh, thank you for asking, by the way. For sure. Uh, Twelve House. Yeah. Twelve House is uh, the the deal. It's kind of written goofy because. Um, because Instagram of what was taken or what was not, but it's uh, sorry for the delay. I did while I'm looking while I'm looking that up really quick. A cool uh, quote: uh, "If serving is below you, leadership is above you," and that's a good one. Mm, I like that. Right? If if you're not if you're if serving people and being a servant uh, is is below you, then you don't you know, no business being a leader. So it's Phoenix underscore Fire underscore Twelve House one two H O U S E. Nice. Is, is our deal. Um, yeah, you can go on there and see what's what's up. It's all just, you know, what we do as far as training uh, and just general normal stuff. Um, a lot of times we'll, I captured some video of the engine cooking and the fire alarms going off. That was kind of cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, I just messed around. That was actually us that cooked. So, uh, but yeah, and also just some opportunities to, to see what we do, man, you know. So That's great. It. Perfect. I'll tag it all in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Rain. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on. I appreciate the opportunity. Really, It's, it's really great chatting with you, man. You've been one of the, you're one of those in that category. I remember roving in and oh, seeing you and, you know, seriously, man, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I remember one time I was driving it for you. I think it was down south somewhere. 28. I got roved through, right? 39. And I was like, hey, man, I don't work around this area very, very much. I need some guidance. And you go, let's switch. I'll drive. I was like, what? what? Well, <laughs> like, it's just, it's so cool, man. So things like that <laughs> stick in my head. So yeah, you're one, you're one of the, did I drive? You're one of the good ones. No, you didn't. I, of course not. I'm like, I don't want to sit in that seat either, man. <laughs> Hey, that's all we have for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. Special thanks to Scott Razzo for sharing his time and talents and thoughts with us. Hey, as we go into the holiday season here, we're going to take a little break on Fireground Fitness. We'll come back in 2022. We've got a a lineup that is going to knock your socks off. But what I want you to do as we go into the end of this year here is reflect on the multitude of blessings in your life. I want you to think about things that you are grateful for. Think about the air that you breathe in and out, the opportunities that lay ahead of you behind doors and over mountains and, and across wide spaces. These things all take effort and take challenge and require you to dig deep into who you are. Now, spend some time over this next few weeks thinking about what it is that you have available to you think about your talents think about the opportunities you have find ways to exploit those talents and really dig into who you are and what you can do to serve in this community serve in the world serve your family all right going out there get some